Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 119. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by anarcho Bidenist Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy. I don't know if I if I qualify myself uh, like that. But That's not votes, your your votes already been cast. You it's not your it, quadrant. Call it what you want. Bro, I was on a DuckDuckGo this weekend and noticed that the number one search trend was how do I change my vote? And that's uh, that inspired some confidence in me. <sighs> well, I, I don't want to talk too much about the election, but like... Yeah, no, there, but how, a, how funny a, is that? Though? Probably a big discrepancy in the types of votes that were cast early and the ones that might be going to the polls tomorrow. So things might might not end up the, the way that they finish if you take a look at the results for tomorrow, it's going to be a mess. That's all I'm hoping, really, is that somebody wins, like, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, like, all those states. So decisively. there's no doubt in, like, everything. Yeah. No, I got you. Because if it's, like, you know, pending court cases in multiple states that it could break multiple ways, it's just going to be a fucking mess, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think at a rally... There was a person who already said what their strategy was, and it was litigation. So they, uh, I think at a rally either today or yesterday, Trump was talking about how uh, they, they were going to be litigating regardless. Yeah, but, well, I mean, it's already been litigated, right? I mean, there's there's been decisions on how long you can accept ballots for. Uh, there's been decisions about changing votes. I guess in Michigan, you're allowed to change your vote. That was a... Uh, that was litigated recently. It's pretty crazy. I, like, I want to know the people who are like waffling in their decision right now. Like I want to meet those people and talk to them because I just have, I have no idea how you can't be one camp or another or, uh, or don't like both camps and want to go for a third party. Camp. Well, yeah, that's like, the I thing, right? That. To feel strongly enough to vote. Well, I guess maybe that's probably a lot of what it is, as people who voted for a third party and now feel like they threw their vote away. Okay. That's probably a decent number of them. I can see that scenario more than the other one. Yeah, there are too many states where uh, Jorgensen's within the margin of error. (laughs) Jorgensen, oh, man. I don't want to talk about this. So, dude, I've been doing Innistrad Draft, Halloween, obviously. Well, first of all, we missed an episode, right? This is our first ever uh, week off. Yeah, we well, got... uh, we missed a few when I was in the hospital, for sure. And, oh, true, uh, true. This was the first one where we, like, we for a few weeks, I wasn't able to record on a Monday. And we pushed it back, and then it, it, the episode didn't get out till the Monday or Tuesday after. So we we did miss a week, but it was, like, staggered, if that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a week for us, but... I guess maybe not for the listeners either, but anyway, we're back on a normal schedule now. And yeah, Halloween week, dude, Innistrad draft on Halloween week. I saw somebody tweet like, uh, it's a travesty that Innistrad draft is only one week of the year. And I think that it's a travesty language is a a little hyperbolic. You know, it's just sort of like a throwaway phrase, but really... I love the fact that this set's only available once a year to draft. It like makes it so special. You know what I mean? So you don't think they they, they would do better with like spooky in Estrada month, where it just starts off in October, where no, you get, I mean you get your reruns of uh, Hocus Pocus and uh, and play in Estrada. 
Well, what they did this this month was kind of cool with like the Innistrad block thing first or whatever, but the actual Innistrad draft was only for the this week. Um, dude, okay. it's just it's it's I don't know, man. You got to keep it, you know, somewhat fresh or whatever. It was uh, it was just so awesome to be able to play on Halloween and like yesterday, it was it was hailing here. There was some crazy weather. There was some obviously some crazy football games, and it was just so keno, bro, just to be jamming in Estrade, you know, taking my Moreland haunt first pick and watching the <laughs> snow outside and watching football. And I had my Amish fireplace upstairs. And uh, it was just, it, it was pure Kino, bro. It was perfect. Uh, I don't want to talk about the football games yesterday. They were obviously exciting to watch, but there were uh, there's some games that didn't break the way that I want to. But congratulations to Nate and the, uh, and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, bro. The Buffalo Bills look... Uh, Look pretty good. They look for like uh, for real. Stefan Diggs has been tearing it up too, which is making me happy. <laughs> but dude, how did Cam fumble that ball? Uh, he. I mean, he was really, really trying to push that. He could see the goal line in his sights, and just didn't didn't see the guy come behind him and poke it out. He. Yeah. Uh, the, even running quarterbacks, quarterbacks, they don't they don't really protect the ball like running backs do. Um, you saw it kind of, kind of, kind of unprotected um, because he was looking forward and just got Buffalo got a hand on it. Yeah, for real. And they they were all I I do know what you're saying. Like he he couldn't tell you know where the hit was coming from. They were basically surrounding him like a bus on I-35. But it was uh, I really thought the Patriots were going to pull that one out. Oh, me too. Like, and then uh, and then that happened, and I was like, oh, this is just not the season. Because they had they had a close one against Seattle, uh, that one was really close. Obviously, uh, the first half against Kansas City before Kansas City broke it open, like the, uh, the even the loss against Denver, which they never should have lost, but they did, um, was was a close game. And it's just been it's been a season where bad things have happened to the Patriots, where they just have never in the last twenty years it never happened like that. Yeah, That's the last what, time that they were two and five was probably nineteen ninety if I had to guess. Well, I mean, like, before before the Drew Bledsoe Super Bowl. Maybe a year or two after, before all of, before Parcells came. Um, well, Parcells, I think Parcells came in 96, right? Okay. So, yeah, then, then that probably would have been it. Yeah, that's what I was going off. I remember Bledsoe's sophomore season wasn't a good, a good year, like, record-wise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was 95, but anyway... Yeah, bro, it's awesome to see the Patriots floundering at two and five. It's uh, it warms my heart. This sucks obviously. that like my kid is now growing up in this era where if I had him like ten years ago, we're like championship city. Fall, you know what I'm saying? It's just it's sad. You gotta yeah. you gotta tell him who Tom Brady is while he's wearing another jersey. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. So yeah, a little housekeeping. We just found out that the Eternal Weekend, the vintage, the workshop tournament, which was the biggest vintage tournament on Sunday, was won by Andreas Peterson, and apparently that the prize has been taken away and given to David Klein, I believe, came in second. Well, there um, was some like bribery slash collusion going on. Was that what happened? Yeah, there was evidence of some sort of deal making you know plot prize splitting that i apparently on on moto you can only prize split in the finals and anything else is 
you know, collusion or against the terms of service. So the first place winner was DQ'd and everybody else got emails that their their prize is one higher than they thought it was. So <sighs> congratulations to everybody who now cashed that tournament or got, got bigger prizes in that tournament. It's kind of fucked up, man. I don't know. Did you see the messages? I, I didn't see the messages, but like it, it's... It's obviously like it's really rough when things are legal in paper magic, but they're not against they're not um, yeah included in the terms of service for for MTGO, and I'm not sure how much the participants understood that. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It kind of looked like a gray area to me, but I didn't it, look at the messages obviously, so my my opinion might be completely wrong here. No, nah, you know it it was what you'd expect it to be, but one one person. It was like a an unsure situation where if one person won, they might be in top eight, and if the other person won, they weren't going to be in top eight. So, so it it kind of was what it was. It was kind of strange, but that's yeah, that's some housekeeping. I just wanted to uh, inform everybody of that, and also with regard to Commander Legends, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure what episode it was now, but. We weren't really sure on the time frame of Commander Legends. We knew that it got pushed back. It was supposed to come out this Friday, November 6th, it turns out. And it's actually coming out two weeks from this Friday, November 20th or 19th or something. 20th. I mean, it's it's still in time for Christmas, so I don't think Wizards is going to like get hit up too hard with losses because of the, the push date. Um... Yeah, no, I'm sure... It's still their first print run, and their second print run will be in the next quarter. So, it it is what it is. Like it, you know, th- their production was delayed or whatever, and I don't think anyone really cares because it's not like you can play in store. They they've they've stopped in store play until January, so far. So yeah, our school our school district has just announced that like we're full remote until February. Really? So we have a we have kind of like a day off of teaching tomorrow because usually. The schools are being used as polling places, so our calendar is set to give the kids a day off tomorrow. Hmm. And uh, I mean, it's not like the kids would be in the polling places anyway. We could have had school, but it was set already. So I need to find a straw, five paper clips, an elastic, a water bottle, and a whole bunch of other shit. Because the science teacher is doing a demo on how to teach on Zoom, and he's making all of the teachers get this stuff for the science experiment. I don't have a straw in my house. I'm going to have to order Grubhub tomorrow morning because this guy wants everybody to have a fucking straw. Are straws even legal in Massachusetts? I I don't know. He's like plastic (laughs) straw. And I'm like, you're a fucking science teacher. You should know better, bud. Is this a science experiment about artifacts, bro? I don't know. It could be. Or maybe global warming. You're going to have to shovel the snow to do your Zoom call about global warming. (laughs) (laughs) You guys got snow too, right? We did. We got, there were some, some parts of my town that got five inches. Um, I think we only got three or four, but during the middle of the day, I had to walk out and shovel. Yeah, bro. Um, it was crazy. How was, uh, how was Cleveland? We, we got a whole bunch of hail, man. It was crazy. Like, our cars and, and roofs and stuff were covered in hail, like little bullets of, of ice. It that's looks like insane. astronaut ice cream. Yep. I don't know like if that's the, normal like out here. dot size balls. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's normal out here or if that's like, uh, if it was as strange as it would be in Massachusetts, but that's mm-hmm. what we had. So yeah, the Commander Legends set will be, I guess, released technically two weeks from, from Friday, and 
It will be on MTGO two weeks from Thursday. And, and not in treasure chests for like another like six months or something. Well, no, that's the thing. So that's what I thought about this app. But it turns out, remember last week we were talking about the Innistrad block draft format and you were saying that it sounded like something from Arena? Yeah, yeah. I was reading about this Commander Legends set and I actually think that that's what that was now is that they were preparing for this Commander Legends set because it's draftable and it's going to be drafted on Moto. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be... Like, I don't know how many packs you get, but you take two cards out of every pack and pass oh, it Oh, they were probably just testing the format. Yeah, yeah, like testing to make sure okay. those methods those methods all work, like taking two cards out of a pack and stuff. So, hmm. yeah, it's going to be drafted on Moto, so there's not going to be... I mean, there's still going to be card availability issues, obviously, because it takes time to get cards out, but not the way that like something like Conspiracy has card availability or Jumpstart, right? Yep. No, that, that that completely makes sense. Yeah, and that, what they're billing the set as is booster draft meets commander. Apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, a bunch of people like a bunch of people were building their own commander cubes and coming up with um, rule sets to support that. Like, I remember one of the eternal weekends that I went to um, with with a bunch of people actually. Marcus was there with a commander cube, and, and I I wasn't really down to stay up to play that. Because uh, I had some drinking to do, but uh, <laughs> but I remember they had a blast playing that. Nice. Yeah, so it's interesting, man. I, obviously, it's a draft on Moto, so I'm going to be jamming it. Not the way that I've been jamming Innistrad, I'm sure, but I'm still... Uh, I'm going to try it out. I've never played Commander, so I don't really know well, the rules. Well, you had to ask... Listen, I don't want to bring this up again. But you had to ask Jason Alt what, like, the basic rules of Commander were when you invited him on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know the rules. I, I know, like, some some of the rules, obviously, but, like, are you going to start with 25 life in this thing? I don't know. Oh, I got you. Um, so have you ever heard of Cameo before? No. Okay, so listen. Cameo, it's a website where you can pay a certain amount of money to have, like a like, a celebrity text you like a video message to somebody like they do a little video on their phone and they send it to you so you can send to somebody else and uh my wife's anniversary was uh was a little while ago and i was looking at cameos to try to find a funny one to send her and she's like i'm fucking divorcing you if you (laughs) if you get me one of these cameos yeah but michael ann black is on there oh shit how great would it be to get a little video message for Ian to be able to have you like redeem yourself <laughs> in, the, in the eyes of the state. And, oh uh, man! I just I maybe maybe for Christmas. That's Michael sick. Black will have a personalized message, and uh, you could forget about the Jason episode. That's an amazing idea. I love how you say Michael and Black too. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I did. I did just say Ian, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you ever see the Michael Ian Black? I, I forget what it's called, but he's with um, David, the guy who was like an actor slash producer in the state, and uh, the really skinny Italian guy from the state. And I, there's, I'm not going to tell the story on the podcast. It's way too fucking stupid. I'm going to send you a video after we're done. Okay, we'll watch the video. But yeah. honestly, like, you want to tell it. This is our podcast. This is our time. 
No, right. basically it's just he rubs he rubs a greasy New York like Brooklyn pizza on his face, Michael Ian Black, and has the grease all over his face. And whenever I hear his name, that's all that, that picture is just like burned into my retinas. Okay. All right. <sighs> it, well, yeah, he he was on there. Yeah. Um, I I almost got I almost got my wife a Gilbert Gottfried um, cameo anyway because she said if you do this I'll fucking divorce you and I wanted to call her on it but I just <laughs> playing russian roulette yeah we're not we're not gonna do that <laughs> so yeah bro i was looking at these cards these these uh commander legends cards and it's unclear to me like what percentage of the cards are are new especially because a lot of them are like these very commander-esque cards where they might not be new but i've never seen them before yeah they're like reprints out of the commander pre-cons that were new printings like exactly five years ago yeah yeah i yeah. got you so, like, I'm not positive exactly how many of these cards are new cards or whatever, but it seems like a lot of these cards are new, mm-hmm. at least to me. So I apologize if I put any cards in this list to review that are not actually new cards. But also, I just wanted to say, like, the mental space these cards are taking up is absolutely brutal. Like, Oh, there's because it's a... so, like, complicated and uh, sort of uh, completely... Over design spread out on the spectrum of how good they can be depending on the situation. Yeah, and keywords and and all this sort of contextual stuff, like triggers, weird triggers, very strange triggers. Yes. Like there's one that says you get an extra beginning of each turn, and the yeah, beginning you get an extra untap upkeep draw. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, I mean it's like a sphinx that probably isn't good as as like. Consecrate, consecrated sphinx or like other things you can do for like eight mana or whatever it was but we'll talk to it when you get there but yeah. it's got like it's a game of commander right I, I don't know if you're going to play an eight drop creature that doesn't give you any immediate value and doesn't have any sort of protection in legacy but it's, right. um, it's a super super interesting unique effect yeah well they made Navineral or however you want to say it the uh, Larry Nevin the creature the disc yeah which is uh six mana esper colored commander that when it enters the battlefield you make a two two zombie creature for each creature that died this turn when it dies you can pay one mana to disc the battlefield and it has hex proof from creatures enchantments and artifacts yeah and that so like you're you're obviously gonna play that like it's esper that's your wheelhouse right it, yeah i mean it's it's not a legacy card but i mean i would draft it for sure but like hexproof from creatures, enchantments, and artifacts is such a awful line of text. Like, how do you how do you shortcut that in your mind in a game? You know, like I feel like we're we're past the point of this stuff making sense anymore. Like between protection, hexproof, you know that sort of thing. Yep. That's just like the weirdest. Like hexproof from so artifacts. they like they they sort of like started to wean back from protection. Because yeah. of all of like the complicated things that it brings into play, yeah. And instead, you're going to replace that with hexproof from blah blah blah. Like I guess yeah. it's probably cleaner than protection, but yeah. Well, but then there's like you know hexproof from colors, but then there's like hexproof from card types. It's just I don't know, man. Yeah. There's a lot of mental space. Purposes. When I was reading these cards, there's just so much mental space that these cards take up that I just had to commit to forgetting them immediately in most cases. Yeah. Well, I need you to pick a number. Um, and the lowest number is going to have to do the set review for all of these cards right now. And the highest number, <laughs> the highest number gets to chug a beer. 
Bro, you saw that card, that Wheel of Disfortune? I did. I did. It's, um, I mean, I think in a multiplayer game, it's nice design. Like, they're trying. Well, I, I already know this is going to be the card that we end up fighting about because I think that this card is kind of playable. Oh, I do too. Oh, okay. I think that anytime you have a wheel effect like that, uh, for for no mana discount, obviously there's like gamesmanship with with what number you're going to end up playing, but you're you're probably going to end up playing a deck that has like so much more um, ability to take advantage of that card than your opponent that it, it could end up being like a like a I don't know I don't want to call it like a three mana ad nauseum, but something similar to that where yeah. you gain so much more from that card than your opponent does. Um, that you can that you can name a, a much higher number, for sure. So anyway, I I don't think we're gonna argue about that. When I saw that, I was like, wow. Oh, sweet. Um, how how can this be broken? Because obviously the potential's there. But there have been a few cards like that that I've seen where I was like, wow, this could be really good. And then it actually ended up being like pretty well balanced and didn't really do anything crazy. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll talk about all the other ones. Yeah, that card, I felt like it, it was very Risk Factor-esque, so I thought maybe you were going to hate it, but... Um, uh, I don't hate it as much as Risk Factor. Risk Factor was the four-life draw three. Yeah. Yeah, that could... <laughs> <laughs> so, Commander Legends, officially there are 246 cards spoiled right now out of 361. It's unclear to me how many of these cards, because there's also cards that are in the associated Commander decks, but not in the the set. Mm-hmm. So like I don't even know. I, I there are I'm more never cards being released know. with this product launch than are actually draftable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the first thing there's a cycle called the Court of X that are enchantments that give you Monarch. So if you recall, Monarch was introduced in Conspiracy. Was that one or two? I think it was Conspiracy two. Um. Yeah, Conspiracy. I two. don't remember. I also don't. It was two, I believe. So, you had Palace Jailer, obviously, which, you know, took off like wildfire. It was, you know, immediately incorporated in Death and Taxes and Stoneblade and such. And then people saw how good Monarch was, and you saw people... I remember Adam played the 4-4 for 5 in Elves that gave you the Monarch. There, There were some people that were splashing... There was like a two four, for three and a white, that gave you the monarch. That was just it was like a, a soldier. Vanilla, it was just like a vanilla body. That it was a soldier for soldier Stompy too. White. Oh yeah, they were playing that in uh, white Eldrazi too. You're right. That's right. I forgot about that. And then there's also a black like a maybe three and a black for a one four or something. That's a common. So I know it sees playing Popper when I was playing some Popper online. Mm-hmm. But, you know, basically it was limited with with regard to what colors you could get the Monarch in. There was a land, the Throne of the High City, I think it was called. Yeah, you that, could, like, it would tap for a colorless and you could, like, four and tap it to give yourself the Monarch or something. Exactly, yeah. And I'd seen that pop up in lands. You know, people were testing it. I never saw it really I remember off. you were talking about that card in Maverick, and you thought that that could be, like, a potential... This is yeah. way back in the day, but you were like, I think that this card could, could see play in Maverick as a one-of. Yeah, as a as a counter to Palace Jailer when like that was really taking off, just as a way to grab back the monarch. But anyway, we've never really seen that card. I mean, it's not it's not that weird for it to show up, but it's not that common. But what I'm trying to say is that every color had access to monarch because of that card. 
but it was so inefficient, right? But now we've got this cycle, and these cards, man, they're really pretty unimpressive enchantments uh, if you don't have the Monarch. But if you do have the Monarch, they do a lot. So the blue one is Court of Cunning. This is the one that people are talking about the most, obviously. It's blue. One blue, blue, you become the Monarch during your upkeep. Any number of players you choose mill two cards. Unless you're the Monarch, they mill ten cards. So it's like Jace Memory adapts plus Monarch. Yeah, I mean, like, if you if you land this early, think off Noble Hierarch or Bird or whatever mana accelerant you're using, and you're you're playing a blue deck, obviously, so a lot of the times you can protect your early turns. Uh, this ends the game really quickly, and even if it doesn't end the game really quickly, you you have that sort of like personal howling mind advantage um, against the decks that that you want to play it. Plus, it's an enchantment. Like this isn't super easy to remove. Um, I I don't hate this card, and I, I haven't like thought of any shells that you'd want to play it in, but it's it's an acceleratable blue three drop that provides you with a very decent amount of advantage and can close the game really quickly, um, and it does so with a permanent type that even though it's blue and it can get red blasted, uh, doesn't have a lot of easy ways to deal with outside of red blast and abrupt decay, right. so I don't hate this card. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's uh, in like a more hard control days, I could definitely have seen this being a miracles finisher, but right now, and I meant to to discuss this, but uh, the guy from Thraben University, mm-hmm. uh, Phil, released a video talking about Monarch, like the mechanic and Palace Jailer, like the history of the mechanic and where we're at now, and how strong it used to be. And how it lined up against decks like Miracles before versus now. Because now when you talk about Miracles, you're talking about Ice Fang Coatles like Flash and Okos who give Astrolabes haste, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of haste and Flash in that deck right now. Like a lot of ways to steal the Monarch from you. So And it's also not very good against Delver. Like you think about that card and even if you accelerate it out on turn two, you can lose the Monarch and just get wrecked. Yeah. Um, so... I, I understand that I'm probably thinking about that card in terms of like a different time. Um, yeah, it's, it's really strange. Is, is what I said. So, well, no, I don't know, man. So the green one is two green green. You become the monarch during your upkeep. You may put a land onto the battlefield, and if you're the monarch, you can put a creature or a land onto the battlefield. So it's like an exploration, or this like show and tell kind of effect right i mean is this like a nick fit card i think it might just be a lands card like like a sideboard lands card maybe but i mean you're not putting creatures into play and there are easier ways of being able to like ramp a land drop right right i i don't see it i don't see it it as a lands card it just comes down to whether you care about the monarch part i guess okay um, Which I, I guess they probably don't. Yeah, I mean they're playing, they're playing lots of things. Like they they have Sylvan Library. Sylvan, Sylvan Library yeah. kind of acts like a better monarch. Exactly. That new red enchantment that I keep on saying. I don't know why they're playing this over Sylvan Library. That can get them a little bit of card advantage, I guess. Yep. Um, but when I think about this, I think of like, you want to kind of be able to take advantage of the putting a creature into play part of it, 
and I, I don't think like a blue-green show-and-tell deck sort of wants this. They're not going to get advantage out of... They're not going to get four mana's worth of advantage out of it. Right. Um, and uh, I think Nick Fit might have something to do with being able to like maybe drop a six-drop, maybe actually ramp their land to get there. Right. Uh, where it makes sense to me in that shell, but any shell that I... Any card I can't like figure out where it goes, I just say, is this a Nick Fit card? Well, actually, speaking of Nick Fit, I forgot to mention this in our intro. We're having on next week uh, Joe Dyer because I felt like he was the perfect person to do the spoiler with because so many of these cards seem like we're going to be saying Nick Fit a lot. Well, that's why that's why I was like, do we want to do this this week? And you're like, no, 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 we should. And yeah, I well, I feel card, like... I was like, I'd really like somebody's smarter opinion than mine. I feel like if we have like all all of this to go through with joe on the podcast it's gonna be like four hours so I'm just trying to get some of the heavy lifting out of the way first so that we can sort of cut to the chase next week okay i got you i won't have to do my exercises today i have physical therapy tomorrow they'll be like did you do exercise yesterday and i was like listen i did a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> we'll uh we'll just go from there all right court of ambition is the black one two black black this is kind of actually interesting during uh, your upkeep, each opponent loses three life unless they discard a card. If you're the monarch, they lose six life unless they discard two cards. That's a pretty big effect, right? Mm-hmm. But what decks do you know that want to, like, put a four mana potentially not affecting the board enchantment into play? Uh, it's it's just a pox thing, right? I right. Mean, and again, like, anytime you see, like, a black card that has, like, a like a mid mana cost and it does something but like doesn't really do anything you're like is this a box card yeah basically um, so i don't know i probably not i think yeah, there's not really card. a spot for it but i just thought it was like insanely powerful like six life yeah know, i mean it, it does but again it's a four mana enchant like it's it's four mana yeah um yeah i just i i don't know about this one and the white one, I think, is the most like a Planeswalker. So it's costed like a Gideon. It's two white-white. You get the Monarch, obviously. During your upkeep, you create a 1-1 Spirit creature with flying token. Uh, unless you're the Monarch, you create a 4-4 Angel token. So it defends itself. It draws a card every turn. You're talking about a Planeswalker, right? Yeah, you're talking about a Planeswalker that if you get attacked, you lose it, though. Like... Well, you still get a 1-1 Spirit every turn. Okay. Yeah, you get a 1-1 Spirit every turn for 4 mana. And they draw an extra card. So yeah. it's, it's really pretty bad, but, I mean, if you can defend it, it's it's an amazing Planeswalker. Okay. It makes a 4-4 four sure. four Angel and you that, draw a card every turn. If you're, if you're playing, I don't know, if you're playing a deck that would want to play like a white Planeswalker like that and you're, you're, you're doing this... And you're able to protect it, and you can keep the monarch. You're already winning that game, no matter what that card is. Yeah. Um, so, I think other planeswalkers might be able to be a little bit more defensive. Like if you think about Gideon making a chump blocker every turn, um, or uh, or other ones doing similar things. Um, I don't think I don't think I like this one much. I think there are better there are better four mana monarch plays in white. For sure. Well, Palace Jailer is, is probably better than this in most matchups. But what mm-hmm. I was thinking about was when we had Palace Jailers in the sideboard of Stoneblade. And you play it against Miracles because it was good. But the stealing a creature part was actually kind of a liability. Because 
what you usually take is a Snapcaster, and then if they ever got the Monarch back, they got another Snapcaster trigger, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, um, Miracles Now is really kind of playing like a bunch of creatures that can attack you to get the Monarch. So right, right, right. You probably wouldn't, like, that's not a matchup you'd want this in either. I, I, I don't know. I just, no, I no, I agree. I don't it's... like it compared to the other options that we have. But back in the day, like, you know, a, a year and a half ago, would you have played this card over Palace Jailer in in the Stoneblade sideboard? I think you would have, honestly. No. I, I think so because Palace, most Palace of the Jailer matchups... was more flexible in the creature matchups to where, like, you were actually able to use it as a removal spell. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely yeah. matchups where Palace Jailer is better, but there are matchups where this is better, too. So, okay. I don't know. I think I might have split them. I was playing two palace chillers, so I'm just I'm thinking about like you know which matchups, what what's good for which matchups, I guess. Mm -hmm. But basically, there's a chance that Monarch becomes a much more relevant part of Legacy in the next six months, right? Just oh yeah, especially cards. if they keep on pushing more um, more cards with this design. Because I really think that they they like Monarch as a mechanic for multiplayer, mm -hmm. because it gives impetus to drive the game. Like it now, you now have motivation to attack people, right. um, to attack different people, to to throw them off the Monarch. And if they really like that mechanic for multiplayer, it means they're going to be printing more cards with it. And the more cards they print with it, the more likely they make like a like a mistake with one that's undercosted, and it creeps into legacy. Yeah. So the card that I think about with Monarch is True Name, right? Because it's such a such a good card for Monarch battles because it just swings in. Yeah, but now we have Plague Engineer. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I I love a True Name, but I don't know if we're living in like a like a world anymore where you really want to be doing that because Plague Engineer yep. is like so brutal. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting, man. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how much Monarch we see and how much True Name uh, might may or may not come back based on that. But, I mean, I think Kawada, like we were saying, I think Kawada's probably even just better at taking back Monarch than True Name. Yeah, oh, yeah, obviously. A Flash Flyer. Yeah, yeah because they, you know, they they don't see it coming. Like, True Name, you, you see coming, just mm -hmm. by definition. Fall from Favor is two and a blue for a claustrophobia. So you tap the creature and it stays tapped as long as you are the monarch. But you're getting monarch for two and a blue. So it's splashable. It's potentially a removal spell. Like uh. this card, it wouldn't shock me if this card, if people are talking about Court of Cunning, but this card actually turns out to be the relevant card from this set for blue decks. Okay, you did a good job selling it. I don't buy it. <laughs> like, I just, I don't. I think the effect is just, like, it's too, it's it's not Legacy costed enough. I've and... never seen, like, a, a Claustrophobia be played in Legacy, right? Have you? No. Like, any sort of, sort of that card? No, wait. No, 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 I haven't. Asleep or whatever. So, it's kind of, it, it's kind of unprecedented, so it's kind of hard to, because you got to think you're about like which creatures. Saying, look, this is three mana get the monarch, right? Which blue already has with a much better effect 
for, for for two blue and one. So you're saying, okay, this only has one blue in the casting cost, and it gives you the monarch for the same mana cost. Where where can this see play? And I think that's too much of a stretch. All right, Jessica Jessica's will, not Jessica. Jessica's will is a sorcery for two and a red, and it's a command, but. You get to do both if, if you're playing Commander, but uh, you only get to choose one. So add red for every card in your opponent's hand or exile the top three cards of your library, and you can play them this turn. So it's like an act of impulse or whatever that card is called, or a ritual, and this card is definitely playable. <sighs> so maybe like Ruby Storm? I don't yeah, know or, any... or What's up? Belcher. Uh... Like a... Uh, okay. Like, go from three to six or whatever. All right. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I, and, I, I mean, Ruby Storm is kind of belchery too, so. Yeah, okay. I think you sold me on that. Like, this could be, like, a really good turn one play for Belcher uh, to be able to get your Belcher out and Belch rather yeah. than playing the, um, the three mana at five red. Where you have to like right. wait a turn to activate it. I can see that. Yeah, this card just seems like exactly what they want. Uh, you know, they have the bolt lands now too, so getting red isn't as much of a problem as it used to be. Not that it was a problem anyway, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. This card seems like very playable. You know, it, it's a role player. It's not like it's going to change the dynamic of the format or anything, but it's something. It definitely uh, is something. Probably the the most highly debated card is Opposition Agent, which is two and a black for a 3-2 flash creature. Uh, you control your opponent when they search their libraries, and when they find a card, when you find a card for them, it gets exiled and you can play it, and you can spend mana as though or mana of any color to cast it if it's a spell. Yeah. I don't know how this card is hotly contested. I think it's really good. Yeah, okay. Well, not everyone does. I've seen a lot of Notion Thief comparisons. Like, Yeah, but Notion Thief was still like a very playable card. I know that we're like living in a different different time for Legacy, but yeah. this is one mana less. You can play it in a bug shell that has some mana acceleration. Um, I, I think that anybody who's like, oh, this card is really bad, um, I don't know, doesn't, just doesn't see the upside like I do. Obviously, like, it's a three-mana creature that can get bolted, um, or basically any removal spell kills it, but it's flash, and it disrupts fetch lands. Like, this card's bonkers, in my yeah. opinion. I saw some people saying, like, have you seen Oko? Have you seen Teferi? Like, you're really going to do this with three-mana? And I, I mean, yeah. Like, yes, definitely. I, I think you can do all of those together. I think you can play, like, some, some sort of, like, amalgamation of a bug shell, maybe even throw Delver in it, but, like has a certain number of these where people have to react to your early threats and they're like, man, I'm just I'm just screwed if they have opposition agent because I need to play into this board and then you just get blown out. Yeah, this card seems seems stupid good. I mean, it's not for everybody, but like you said, Delver, it, I could definitely see Delver playing one of these. I could see Death Shadow decks, Ninja decks, all sorts of decks that are playing at instant speed, any sort of blue-black deck. Black isn't the most popular color, like it used to be complimenting blue but this maybe changes the balance a little okay and i mean that's, three, that's what my three thought power, was on the card when i saw it spoiled i was like 
What did they do? Yeah. They did another thing. Three power, too, for three at Flash is, like, not negligible, you know? Like, it's not like it's a 1-1 one, one or something. It, it oh, right. Does, so it's it got clocks. Like, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, Wheel of Misfortune. This, this card, I thought we were going to fight about it, but apparently two in a red for Wheel of Misfortune. Each player, or sor- Sorcery, Wheel of Misfortune. Each player chooses a secret number. So you write down a number. Then Wheel of Misfortune deals damage equal to the greatest chosen number to each player that chose it. And then each player who didn't choose the smallest number discards their hand and draws seven. So basically you pick the biggest number, you take that much damage, and then you wheel. Yes. A, a one-sided wheel. So you might Unless take... you pick the same number, but you're never going to. Well, I, would, can... I don't want to say never. It's going to be really interesting to see like the numbers that people choose with this. Because obviously when people start to play it, when you're the opponent choosing a number against against a deck that really wants to abuse that, um, it's really hard to be able to choose like a like a proper number without having the experience of playing it against the card too much. Um, I think this might be a card where at the beginning, people are just so bad at playing against it that it gets quite a bit of a bonus from that. Um, that's that's where I was trying to go with that. It's possible too. The way that I see this card being used is as like a sideboard card in burn against you know miracles, mid range decks, whatever, control decks where mm-hmm. you just name their life total every time because they can't do that. So you know they're at eleven life. You name eleven, so you you get the win there because otherwise they die. Yep, that so makes you, you, that makes sense. I still draw, think three, you draw three seven. mana is a lot. Like, three mana counterable is a lot, if that makes sense. Well, it is, yeah. But th- that's the the use case I see for this card, because otherwise it's it's like this, this really random thing, like a Jeopardy showdown or whatever, like you're, like what you were talking about. Oh, God, which is interesting. Do, do, do. I was yeah. about to say suck it, Trebek. <laughs> and that made me sad because Sean Connery uh, died. Rest in peace. I was watching some uh, Sean Connery, Barbara Walters clips earlier. Pretty base. <sighs> Magus of the Order, two green green for a 3-3. Three, three. Bro, this is the worst fucking Magus. You have to sacrifice this card and another green creature to natural order. Yeah. How I much mean, does that we, suck? We don't have to be talking about this for Legacy. Like, there are no. some people that will want to do that in Commander, and that's I fine. Guess. Like, it gives you it gives you redundant copies of an effect that's awesome. So, um, so it's fine. All right. Yeah. What about Promise of Tomorrow? <sighs> Is that a Legacy? So, two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control dies, exile it, and at the beginning of each end step, if you control no creatures, sacrifice it and return all those creatures. I don't. I don't. I think it's kind of like it's too much of a do nothing. Um, it's a powerful effect, but three mana enchantment to like give you you some incremental value over the course of a long fair game. That when it goes off, you probably win. I, I mean, maybe maybe if like the sort of super grindy mid range matchups get so so prevalent, you could use this and like. 
like the sideboard of a white based creature deck, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see it either. The, the and the one of the reasons, a big reason, is because of Swords of Plowshares, and if Terminus would ever come back, like a lot of times creatures don't die. You know, they get exiled. So mm-hmm. that's just what the format is. So I don't see it. I I would see Teferi's Protection before I see this card, but I did see people talking about it, so I felt like we should. Okay. But I, I don't see it personally either. I definitely don't. Yeah, yeah. Archon of Coronation, four white, white for a 5-5 five, five flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you get the Monarch, and as long as you're the Monarch, damage doesn't cause you to lose life. Mm, too much, too too high mana cost. Well, awesome so ability, but no. What I was thinking about was as a reanimator, sideboard, silver bullet kind of card. What do you think about that? Uh, well, okay, so I think it's easy. it's easier to lose the Monarch as a... As a reanimator player, you're not playing removal. You're not playing ways to sweep the board. You would be better off playing something like uh, Platinum Angel. They would just straight up do it. True. Like the the um, the creatures don't need the deal damage for you to lose the monarch. So just like this card is kind of like a do nothing in those situations. Um, and right, right, right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it for Legacy. I think it's like a cool card, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, Mnemonic Deluge. We don't need to talk about this card. It's a six blue, blue, blue sorcery. When... Egg, oh, what? sorry. You, you keep going. Oh, exile an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Cast it three times. Or from any graveyard. Cast it three times and exile this spell. It's just another cunning wish, kind of. Or uh, burning wish target. Yeah, yeah. So I was... When I was reading this card, I was just like envisioning that they printed it like before Grand Prix, New Jersey, and this <laughs> card had Delve on it. Oh my god! It's just like imagining what could have been if this card had Delve. Um, but the, I mean, it costs nine. It's a yeah. it's a non. It's a yeah. We don't need to talk about it. All right, Apex Devastator. This card, I don't think that it's relevant, but I I wanted to discuss it for one reason. So it's. 8 green green. It's not legendary. It's a 10-10 for 10. Uh, and when it enters the... Or not when it enters. When you cast it, you cascade four times, right? Yeah. So... Cascade. What, cascade. What? Cascade. Cascade. Like, were when they were designing cards, were they just like, look, people love cascade. We want a new cascade card. Yeah. And somebody's like, why don't we just make it cost 10 and cascade, 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 cascade. Like, it's yes, so I bad. It's this so bad. Such, uh, such an EDH card. Is yeah, it's such a Timmy card. But what I was going to say is like, you know, there's Grizzle Brands, and obviously the problem with Cascade is it's not an ETB; it's a cast trigger. So oh, if this was an Enter the Battlefield ability, well, that's what I wanted this card to ask. Would be fucking bonkers. Is is four Cascades better than draw seven? It's got to be, right? Yeah, because you can stack your deck with other cards you want to cast. Well. Uh, just blind let's say blind is four cascades in a deck where you built it to cascade right is four cascades better than a, a draw seven i think so right yeah because you're going to cascade into more shit you're right. your four cascades going to cascade into like more cascade and you're just going to get to like cast 20 spells that turn yeah it, it seems it seems really busted but i i don't know who could possibly be playing this or or why right 
Yeah, I mean, you're not gonna like you're not you're not gonna play it now. Like you have better mana sinks. Like um, those those post decks. Like let's say you're a post deck. Uh, but like one of those green have, like, an Eldrazi. Because those post decks play a bunch of like one mana artifacts. They play a bunch yeah. of like, do nothing stuff. Well, that's so the thing. Not... Like you're gonna hit Chalice for zero. You're gonna hit like you know Voltaic Key. Yeah, like, you're all this not, shit uh, that you're not really taking advantage of what the Cascades can do in that shell. For the price of a uh, uh, what's his name Ulamog. Yeah, you're yeah. you're not you're not getting your value right. So the last card, I say this for last because I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Seraphic Greatsword. One in a white for a 2-2. Two, two, or, I'm sorry, one, one in a white for a sword and, uh, uh, equipment that gives plus 2, plus 2. And when you attack the player with the most life or tied for the most life, create a 4-4 four, four angel that's also attacking. And it doesn't go away like Geist of St. Traft. It, it's mm-hmm. just there. Um... I could be really wrong about this card, but I don't like it. You don't like it? No. I think that you almost, you'd almost always just want like, like a, like a real sword, even though it's a man of more, uh, because the ability is just like better on any of the actual protection swords you're using. I know mm-hmm. this is a man of less, um, but I, I don't know whether or not I would want to play this card over a Feast and Famine, uh, a War and Peace, um, a Fire and Ice. I just, I don't see it. Yeah, I was having trouble evaluating it, honestly. Uh, you know, if if you're not, if, if the life part isn't relevant, it's not even in consideration, right? It's just a bad sword. Oh, yeah, obviously. But the potential for when you're behind in a game for this to be incredible is there right because you could potentially make two angels right you could you could get in twice with with angels so it could be a really like there's scenarios where this this card could be better than a sword but you know how common is that i think it's pretty rare yeah i i think it's also pretty rare and um i would rather stay with like my tried and true cards that i know are really good rather than rather than trying something like this out but I said that I was open to being wrong. Like, maybe the fact that this is a mana less and you can just sort of, like, go aggro with it um, makes it makes it really, really good. But the problem is, like, if you're playing... If you're playing a deck like that that wants to go aggro and, like, equip all of its stuff with cheaper equipments, you're, you're probably ahead on life and this isn't doing what you want to do. And when you're playing a control matchup... Um, uh, you're probably like your early creatures were removed. You'd want something to pull you back on cards, not angels. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's why I don't really see it. Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, you're talking about getting through. We see sort of fire and ice and sort of feast and famine in play right now because they get through Coatl and Strix. Like each of them, you know, on different colors, get through both of those cards. And this doesn't get through any of that, but. It does leave behind a 4-4 flyer, so if they traded their Strix for your thing, you have a 4-4. Which you can re-equip with it. Right. So it, it's, it, I don't think that it's not worthy of consideration. I think that it's at least worth keeping in mind, but I don't... I, my, my gut feeling is that it's not going to see play. Okay. Yeah, that's mine too. I did see somebody, though... I think it was Fish Duggery... Uh, 5-0 to League with Maul of the Skyclaves in their deck this week. 
So I was feel that like this the, card... the flying creature that we were talking about a few weeks ago? No, it's uh, it's an equipment from Zendikar. It's two and a white for an, uh, an equipment that gives plus two, plus two, first strike and flying, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And it equips on ETB. So, like, if you if you put it in off a of Stoneforge, it equips immediately to something. Hmm, okay. Uh, so it's... I felt like if that card was, was showing up, then this card certainly deserved to be discussed because... This seems more uh, potentially playable than that. I hear that. Okay. So yeah, this is all the cards that I I felt were were worth discussing at this point in time. Next week we're gonna have Joe Dyer on, like we talked about, and he is going to obviously be the person to set us straight on this Nick fit of a set, right? Yeah, I can't wait. Anytime we have guests on, I get excited and. A lot of the time, because I get so excited, you don't tell me who we're having guests on. Yeah. Like, who we're having on. You're like, no, it's a secret. Yeah. Um, and I get surprised just like everybody else. Yeah, no, this time I felt like I should give you the heads up. Give you the, the proper warning. This is I, I appreciate Nick Fit that. episode. So, yeah, bro. Uh, anything else? I, I checked the emails. We have no new emails. We The last email we got was back in October. So, people got to get on that. If anybody's out there listening, hit us up. And if people want to find you on Twitter, how can they do that? You can find me at TSmileyMTG and follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. Our friends from the Canadian Threshold requested uh, the WoW stream. So I dropped a YouTube video in one of the Twitter comments for oh, the shit. Dead Format. So you can go you can go watch uh, watch Watts fight the Plague Wing. Oh, sorry, the Abomination Wing on the Nax PTR. <sighs> So they've released Nax Ramus? Uh no, so official release date, December third. Okay. Um I I I was on the public test realm where they sort of released it for a day. Like uh they released them in uh in a four hour window so players could test the encounters to make sure that everything was still working correctly. Um so the the videos from that. Gotcha. All right. At Ian eighteen one twenty five deadformatcast at gmail dot com, if you want to holler at us, and I believe that's a wrap. 